Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to the South End Zone, brought to you by Belly Up Sports. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. As with me, or as always, is with me, Eric Mulher. Eric, what's happening, man? It's been a few days. What's going on? Not much. Just doing the basketball dad thing. Uh, been a busy week. Got tonight off. Um, it yeah, is a busy time, indeed. Normal, Practices. Normal stuff, really. Yeah, all kinds of stuff going on. Still cold down there? Because it's still... Cold no, or, no, no. We I, had we had that cold snap last week. Um, I, back to the shorts weather. To, I know, well, I never like the streak is alive. Oh, um, okay, all right. The, the streak always, of <laughs> the streak of wearing shorts is still yes, alive. It's good. Yes, to it's know. always it's always shorts weather, but um, it, yeah, temperatures have started with a five or a six, not a three. So yeah, well, I was a little bit premature. Uh, I was supposed to do military stuff this week, so I. I killed the beard and then some stuff fell through and uh, I ended up not being able to go do that. So I'm a little bit premature on the spring cleaning of the beard and ready for summer. So not yeah, good. I'm coming to, I got probably another two weeks and then I need to uh, start my lawn care routine, both mm-hmm. in the front yard and yeah. on the fache. Start, yeah. You're starting to look homeless, but uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll, uh, we'll get to all that later on. So, uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, click the subscribe button for us. Uh, that'll help us out a lot, whether you're on YouTube, if you're on Twitter, go to YouTube and subscribe anyway. And uh, if you are on the podcast side, we appreciate you and hit the like, leave a five-star review, all that good, you know, uh, advertising stuff. But if you don't want to, fine, I don't care. But uh, all right, Eric, so the recaps continue. We're going to hit yep. ACC this week, win totals, check out our bets there, see where we fell short and where you know who was who we thought they were and before we get into all that we're going to dive into the news that we spoke of last time we were on this show we thought maybe there would be some breaking news the next time we were on and that would be jim harbaugh off to the nfl to make a whopping 16 million dollars a year and so he's headed to coach the chargers and just like you predicted sharon moore gets elevated to the head coach position. So all that, and we'll get into some more stuff, uh, NIL, Tennessee, Florida, some investigation stuff going on. But uh, let's talk about Michigan first, Eric. So this is what you thought was going to happen. So I I mean, I suspected that they, at this point in the year, they're more likely to just go with the guy. He's somewhat of a known quantity. 
Um, you know, he's, he's been in the program. They have an idea of how the players respond to him. Uh, you know, it, well, something I, something you said that I wanted to touch on this point in the year, yeah. I think it was pretty intentional by Harbaugh to wait this long to do it for school to be enrolled. So half the roster can't transfer. I mean, possibly, um, I mean, there was some, some speculation when Nick Saban retired that the timing of his was tied to, you know, add drop. Um, right. Particularly when him and the AD are, are kind of asking, Hey, give us a couple of days. We'll get the replacement in pretty short order and then evaluate whether you want to stay or go. And it's sort of the same thing here. I honestly, I think the timing for him was really more about when the NFL opportunity came. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I guess, yeah, the the Chargers did have to, you know, because of the Rooney rule, they have to interview so many minority candidates and all of those things. And I guess I would have to go back and look at the dates of when they interviewed everybody to see when the process was actually. uh, Yeah, they they interviewed a wave of guys and then they brought a couple back for second interviews. That's Mm -hmm. when he was offered and accepted the job. I mean, you know. Retiring and moving on to a different organization is, I think, not the same thing, right? So uh, Harbaugh doesn't control when someone offers him a job at the NFL level. Yeah. Um, So what's your take on Sharon Moore? Because I think me and you are a little bit opposite on this. Like We may be in different camps, so I want to get your take on handing the keys to a national championship, defending national champion program over to Sharon Moore and his pedigree and his, you know, uh, history. I, I want to know what your take is on that. Cause I think we might be a little bit different. I mean, I don't have much of one cause I don't know a ton about the guy other than he was the O-line coach slash, uh, well, actually he was the O-line coach and then he went to O-line coach slash OC when Josh Gaddis left a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, he's an Oklahoma alum. I know that he played. Yeah, I know he played at Oklahoma. Um, I'm not sure where else he's coached, but I think he has been entrenched in the program long enough and has done uh, a good enough job in those roles. And then stepping in as an interim for their two biggest games of the year. Uh, <laughs> part of it is, you know, well, who else are you going to go get at this point? I, see, I, I I hesitate to just say who else are you going to go get. Well, I mean, it's it's part. I don't think it comes down to that, but I think that's part of it. You know, if they're they're not they're not stuck with this dude like as a last resort. Like they like him, they have an idea of what he can do in that role because he's yeah. sort of done it. Um, so I think to go outside of that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So to go outside of the current staff, right? And then now you're risking, okay, well, am I going to lose a bunch of players? You're already losing a lot of your starters from yeah. that championship team. Now, how much you know of our remaining roster might leave if we brought in someone, right? Could we get someone? Do we want to drag it out and try to look around and end up with this guy anyways and have it look like we don't believe in him? Uh, you know, I think there's all sorts of considerations and it really comes down to, do they think he can do the job? Yes. Okay. Well, have at Yeah. Yeah. Let him have that. I, I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't want to sound like I'm poo-poo and Sharon Moore. Okay. I, I, like you said, 
he doesn't really have a head coaching history to for me to pick apart and say whether he did a good or bad job. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do know is he's been the offensive coordinator for two seasons now, correct? Yep. Uh, yes. Okay. The offense was so-so, not really that dynamic, largely just you know built on having a successful offensive line and being able to run the ball. So I guess if that's the plan to continue and they can continue to get those big dogs, then sure. But uh, what? So um, I, a, a pen I was holding apparently just shit all over itself. <laughs> and I'm nice. nice. Always good when that happens. So, but as far as more goes, I don't want to poo poo the guy, but I just kind of like you're, you just won the national championship and you're just going to, mm-hmm promote from within and not even like go and interview other people, not even going to gauge interest to see, surely they like put some feelers out to some agents and gauge some interest. I don't know. I mean, I would have, I would have looked at the, you know, the names that people have been throwing out there. People like Brian Kelly and others, you know, I, I would at least <laughs> throw out some feelers before I just said, ah, we're going to promote our OC two days after the job. So I, I don't well, know. I mean, he, you know, I don't. I, I could. I guess I could argue it either way. I mean, he he was the he went from tight ends coach to O line coach, and they won the Joe Moore Award twice. Yeah. Uh, then he goes elevates to a. Uh, I guess he went from co OC to OC uh, this year. Um, yeah. And you know they were a good offense. They weren't some some laser show, but they. No. I would have to let's see how many, I guess I just wonder about the recruiting. I I don't personally know how good of a recruiter he is. Harbaugh. I mean, this guy leaves college for the second time now uh, as the winningest head coach at three different colleges, (laughs) be it San Diego, Stanford, and now Michigan. So Mm -hmm. obviously the dude has a proven track record. We did the bio on him last year to where, you know, the guy can recruit, he can get good players and he can, he can win ball games. And this guy, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Like if it goes wrong, it's good that Michigan has not locked themselves into a contract with somebody who has a $75 million buyout, I suppose. Sure. But yeah, going back to the point about the offense, they averaged 35.9 a game. So yeah. 14th in the country. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I would take it. They're they're point one points behind Washington, and yeah. just ahead of Texas and Old Miss. So, well, I it's think not that, like offense was a problem area for them. No, no, I mean they just ran people over, and they they play a weak ass garbage schedule. So it, you know, it's not. I don't think that if they played the exact same schedule again next year, I don't think Sharon Moore would win any less games than Harbaugh, given the trash schedule that they play. Now it does get a little tougher next year. They play Texas, but yeah, still they have, have probably a tougher schedule overall. Divisions yeah. go away, which yeah. kind of actually kind of maybe works in their favor. Cause there's some bad teams in the West. Um, yeah. You know, I, he did well enough in the four games he coached at, uh, you know, this year, yeah. Given who they played, and you know, there's obviously there's no sure things. Like you go get a Brian Kelly, 
Well, and they're not. What does that mean for next year and the year after? Yeah. Right. Or you go find some group of five guy. I I think they. Well, the NCAA is not going to sanction Sharon more. (laughs) You know, they're not. If they handed out a show cost penalty for whatever they end up finding later on, they may hit Michigan. But it's like Dennis Dodd said on the show two weeks ago. They're moving away from penalizing kids and Mm -hmm. postseason bans and things because they don't want to penalize the kid for stupid shit the coach did. So. They're not going to hammer more, even if they hit Harbaugh with the show cost penalty. What the hell does that matter? It doesn't affect them at all. So I don't know. I just, I think it's strange to, that, like I say, I, I, I know I texted that to you the other day. The list of college football teams who have won a national championship and then immediately promoted from within a guy who has never been a head coach to take over the team the next year, it's got to be an incredibly short list. Yeah, very short. I mean, uh, like, who'd we come up with? Um, Frank Solich and Tom Osborne both did. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. Uh, And that's really, like, offhand. I know Larry Coker uh, at Miami. Yeah. I don't. I want to say he won a title in his second year, maybe. Yeah. I but I don't think they were coming off of a title when he. No, I, I don't think so over. either. Yeah. I think it was, he took over and then two years later they won one. Yeah. Um, so. I, there's a pretty limited number of instances, I would think of a, of a coach winning a national title and leaving. Well, like, yeah, may, Cole, Maybe Jimmy Johnson. Uh, I, I think Cole Kublik on his show, on the cube show, he talked about it. He's like, it's uh it's only happened a couple of times ever. And he mentioned, he didn't mention Nick Saban when he talked about it. And I couldn't remember for some reason, I thought Saban left right after he won the first mm-hmm. title at LSU, but I guess he stayed for Oh four. And then he, he stayed for at least one more season. Cause he was only with the dolphins for two years and then yeah. went to Alabama in Oh seven. Yeah. So he stayed in 04. I was thinking he left after 03, but you know, whatever, 20 years ago. So we'll see. I don't know. Uh, Sharon Moore, good luck to the guy hope he does great and keeps michigan at a high level because football is just better when they're good you know it's it's kind of a texas or usc or miami thing florida state football in general is just better when michigan is good so uh overall as fans we hope it continues uh all right so speaking of things continuing if i (laughs) If you're just going to throw a dart and hit the most questionable, you know, over the line program in the country on a most consistent basis, where would that dart land? How many darts do I have? Because I'm going to have trouble narrowing it down to one. (laughs) I'm I'm not talking about, you know, the fact that everyone is doing the things that we're about to discuss talking about just in general, who's been under investigation the most, the last 15 seasons or so. Uh, the, dart. Mo- the most, the, the dart for the, um, I guess most visible or notorious. Um, yeah. Misbehaving would go to towards the general Knoxville area. <laughs> Facts. So, they're under investigation in Tennessee yeah. for uh, supposed, you know, pay for play NIL improper stuff going on with regard to NIL. And what I, the gist of it that I got was, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Ian Malieva, 
the yeah, quarterback. It's close enough. It's I think it's I am Aliava, but yeah. Yeah, that yeah, that guy. So it's called Nico. Yeah, just like we yeah. do with DJ. Right. So he apparently was picked up in a private jet by a booster, yep. flown across the country to Tennessee, sat down, offered his eight million dollars or whatever he's getting paid. The rumors were yeah, it was kind of all that stuff was rolled into his official visit. Yeah. Yeah. And which is illegal as shit. You can't mm-hmm. like that's not tied in. It's kind of the same thing as Florida State. You can't bring a kid in and then drive him over to the collective's house and get him yeah. off money and then bring I mean, him back. Not, to the- not exactly the same thing. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but go on. Yeah. So I said, Florida state, I'm in Florida, but, uh, well, so, Florida state did a very similar thing as well, but I, like all, all three of these cases, these big ones that have come up are slightly different. Um, but ultimately, everybody's doing this stuff, and that's what I want to hammer home here with all you, little, all the listeners. Everyone is doing the stuff we're talking about. So you can't uh, induce a kid with money to come play, which sounds absolutely ridiculous because everyone is inducing right. players. As I was going to say, I didn't want to cut play. you off, but I was like, yes, everyone is doing that. Not everyone is sending private jets across the country or negotiating NIL deals with the high schooler to get him to commit. Well, a lot of people are doing that, but, um, yeah. And all this, this is stuffed Florida too, for that matter. Well, Florida, I guess was last year, but, um, you know, this is all old stuff. Yeah. It's stuff that they're just now getting around to. Um, it's not some revelation that, that Tennessee's collective paid this kid millions of dollars. No, like. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm he, curious to see if this is like the beginning of a big wave of, hey, well, we know this is happening. We know you did it and you did it and you did it. I'm curious to see if they're going to, you know, what actually are they do? take some action on tampering. Um, see, that's the thing, though. What can they do? The second they try to do anything, they'll get sued and nothing will come of this. And that's well, like, it depends on what they're going after. If they're If they're going after something that is. So the problem is they can't go after the players, but they can go after the programs that are breaking the rules, right? The the tampering is a rule. If you can prove that the school's tampering, you can go after the school, right? You can go after the coach. You can go after, uh, like we saw with Florida State, you can go after the collective and say, hey, this, this guy cannot have any more interaction with the program for two years or whatever that one ended up being. Well, um, I guess my main question would be if they do that, What's to stop the school from being like, fuck off. We're not going to follow your rules. Then what? Like, what What are they going to do? They can't, like, the rules are made up. Like, they're made the up. The rules are made up by the member schools. And I guess when the member schools are breaking the rules, I, I don't, like, the, the like NCAA were- lost all their leverage 10 years ago when they yeah. didn't act on this, right? So they, they're the ones who painted themselves into this corner. Um you know, do I want them to just ignore everything? No, but like what I, I, I also you know have my eyes open enough to know that there's not much they can do at this point, right? It's completely no. beyond their their capability to deal with now in terms of scale, yeah. Right? Because like you said, you have 133 programs. How many of them are trying to find every last loophole with NIL? You know, 120 of them probably. Yeah, uh, you know, you might have like. You know, Rice or somebody who's Mike Gundy. 
Yeah. Or maybe like an old school coach who just doesn't believe in that. Um, I don't know how many of those guys are actually left, but. Well, uh, I think. uh, Yeah. It it gets tricky for Tennessee because they are coming off of the Pruitt stuff. So um, they would qualify like Dennis talked about with Michigan. They would kind of, they would go as repeat offenders. Indeed. If that is how it happened, um, you know, similar thing with Florida. You know, like when that kid committed, um, escapes me, Rashada. Yeah. Right. That that was a, a a pretty visible thing. Like he was committed to Miami and then went to Florida. And then everything with uh, the NIL stuff falling apart happened. And then he left again. That was a year ago. That was over a year ago. That was last December, right, of 22. So, yep. they're just kind of now, like the Florida State stuff is so old. That, you know, it's two years old. That's so old that they already served the majority of the punishment. Yeah. Right, in terms of practices, visits, um, stuff like that. I think the, the assistant coach is suspended for a couple of games this coming up season. But for the most part, they've sort of already paid that penance. So, uh, I, I think they're picking their battles and they understand that, Hey, the cat's too far out of the bag on tampering. We're never going to get our arms around that. We can only reiterate that it's illegal and really kind of rely on the coaches to police each other or call each other out, which they never will because they're doing it too. And they're really going to just go out of, or go out after the, the real egregious stuff. Like, a booster sending a private plane to California to bring a kid back to Tennessee yeah, to offer him all this money to commit, right? Which has been a rule basically since the, the advent of NIL, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's part of the problem is the NCAA came up with a bunch of rules. Well, that was after states, individual states started Say their the, own yeah. legislation, right? And not all of those rules are the same and not all right. of those match the NCAA rules. Uh, it's too convoluted now to do anything about, and yeah, they're they're a decade late on regulating this stuff and managing it. Yeah, it's there's just nothing they can do. It's it's not going to matter. Tennessee's under investigation. If they even get hit with repeat offenders, again, what's it going to matter? Because they're not going to penalize the kids, and the SEC is not going to do anything about it. Because the same with Florida, they are not going to lessen do anything to diminish the product that they are putting on TV. They're not going to hit Tennessee with a bunch of penalties and suspend the coach and, you know, fire coaches and give them show cause penalties like the NCAA might, because they're trying to entertain you and put a good product on TV and keep that money flowing in from ESPN. So the conferences aren't going to do anything about it. And it just kind of, it's a, we're between a rock and a hard place here. And so for Tennessee and Florida too, with the Rashada stuff, I personally don't think anything will come of it. The NCAA, if they try to do something, they will immediately get sued. And they're Possibly, at the point, depending that, on what they try to do. Right. Yeah. If right, they like if they to, said, Hey, this kid's ineligible, but uh, they would be in court and they'd probably lose. If they yeah. said, Hey, you know, Tennessee broke these established rules that were rules when it happened right because there's also some confusion on what the rules were when because they really didn't have like a final product when this you know the, the, some of the rules that were implemented were sort of reactionary i think to what was happening so 
you know, they would get sued if they tried to prohibit the player from capitalizing on his name, image, and likeness or affecting his ability to play. I don't think they would get sued if they told Tennessee, like, hey, you know, you're down five scholarships for two years. And, you know, we see stuff like we saw with Florida State. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So it's a situation to watch. But ultimately for Florida, I really don't think it matters because they're going to get the shit kicked out of them all year next year because (laughs) their schedule is a nightmare. And we'll we'll go over that more as the season goes on. And hopefully we can. uh, get uh, another Florida beat writer on. Maybe we can get Dave back on with us uh, at some point this off season to discuss that. But okay. So got all that out of the way. Now we've talked Harbaugh. We've talked Michigan. We've talked NIO with Tennessee and Florida investigations. So let's go ahead and dive into the recap, man. Let's, let's get this ACC recap done. We're going to go over the ACC and Notre Dame. We'll throw in there for good measure. And, uh, We'll talk about what they did, look at our bets, and see where we went wrong. So, Eric, take it away. What was our overall record, uh, each one of us? How did we do? Uh, in total, you finished 7-8, and eight, so right there, um, near 500, and I went 9-6. and six. Hmm. So, they, a little bounce back, uh, because if I remember right, I could look it up, but I don't feel like... Oh, I got absolutely—I got absolutely murdered in the ACC last year. I, I think the ACC killed all of us last year. I know I mean, it got Timmy the worst. <laughs> it's, I do remember that because we were really like, "Hey, what the hell, Timmy?" Uh, yeah, he's an ACC guy. Yeah. Let me see here. Because yeah, that'll be interesting. I don't. Yeah, last year I went seven and eight, and you went five and ten. Oh. God. All right. So two win Timmy, improvement. That's good. Oh, Timmy went four and 11. Jesus. <laughs> uh, lovely farewell for our boy there. Lovely. All right. Um, so yeah, ACC, um, I would, I would call it a pretty mediocre effort from us this year. Um, starting with, uh, we only had two teams that, <clears throat> excuse me. We only had two teams that we both missed on. And one of them, we'll talk about these guys first because they're going to be looking for a coach. Uh, that is Boston College, who finished over their total of five and a half at six and six and just lost about an hour ago. Pete Thamel reported that uh, Jeff Halfley leaving for Green Bay to be the defensive coordinator. So uh, they had a, a decent season, I guess, uh, six and six season, went to a bowl game. We both thought that he would probably not survive the season so they yeah i think he was i think he was number two or three on my hot seat list preseason Mm -hmm. yeah he was up there for he was kind of two or three for me as well um yeah they had had a decent enough season i guess they they exceeded some expectations they came close in another few games um if i remember right they kind of faded towards the end like i think they got bowl eligible early and then like lost their last three but yeah uh, all in all, success for them, failure for us, because we were both on under five and a half. Mm. We were yeah. also both under um, Duke six and a half wins, and they went seven and five. So I did not expect them to drag Clemson all over the field in week one. But still doesn't really- make still doesn't make any sense. Clemson yeah. outgain outgains them in every category and then just 
turns it over a bunch and loses. Yeah, they turned uh, it over, I think, two or three times inside the 15. Yeah. Uh, missed lost. field goal. Or, you know, it was bad. Um, yeah, they were losing by 21 at one point. I don't know what yeah. the final score was, but it was a beatdown. Yeah, I think weird. they won by two touchdowns probably. Um, yeah. But they finished seven and five. So they were a yeah, Riley, little better than I expected. Well, Riley Leonard going down, I think, uh, probably yeah, – put the kibosh on the whole, you know, winning eight, nine games this year. So, uh, yeah. that, that hurt him. but, uh, Riley Leonard now off to Notre Dame. So who we'll talk about in a minute. And, uh, those, those were the two that we both missed, um, on unders. And those are two of the three coaches that, uh, or two of the three teams rather that will be looking for new coaches or were looking for new coaches. And in these other two cases, they, Found one. Um, <laughs> the third one being Syracuse. <sighs> we were both on that under. This year we hit it. They Indeed. didn't get off to some crazy like six and zero oh start like the last uh, couple seasons. So six and a half. We were both both on the under. They they were just bad. Yeah, they, they were just they were just they were there. Yeah, they were bad all season. It was a pitiful show of offense. The like they could not score, and I, I watched about a maybe all in all probably about eight, seven, eight quarters of Syracuse football this year. The defense, like, did you see any points? No. Okay. And that, that's the problem. Like the defense played well enough to keep them in games most of the time, but they couldn't score. They couldn't move the ball. And poor Dino, you know, I mean, he just doesn't have any athletes up there. And I think Syracuse is just going to we'll see if Kyle McCord's any better. But I, I don't know what Syracuse is going to look like. But uh, good for Dino that he did find himself a job. He's out in the desert now, yep. in Arizona. He's the DC out there, right? Didn't he take over as the DC? I believe so. Uh, yeah, don't I think quote me on the, that. But I think he is the defensive coordinator at Arizona with their new yeah. staff. Yeah. So just a bad overall year for Syracuse. Not overall unexpected with Syracuse. You just expect them to get the shit kicked out of them and take that $90 million check. Speaking of expected, we both expected Miami to win fewer than seven and a half games. And we probably should have lost this one given that they were seven and five. Oh God. Yeah, we should have lost it. They should have easily won two more games than they won. Yeah. So, Thank you, Mario Cristobal, for cashing yeah. on that. <laughs> I mean, appreciate it, but it still makes you shake your head. It's like, you know, and you watch them play, and I, I do think they are, I want to say trending up, but I, I do think he is making inter- incremental improvements um, from year one to year two. Yeah, now if they can just figure out how to not give I, football games away. I think his 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 rate of progression probably needs to pick up or they're going to get impatient. Um, you know, cause he makes the jump right from seven and five to eight and four next year. I don't think it's going to really endear him. I think he probably needs to go out and win nine or 10 games to really have sort of that proof of concept. Like, okay, it's working, right? We're getting better, getting better, getting better. And they could, right. They're very good on lines of scrimmage. Um, their defense was improved. I think they need to find, a quarter, well, maybe two um, quarterbacks. Uh, Got to replace some guys on the back end of the defense, but we'll, well see. That'll, that'll all be stuff we'll talk about this summer. As far as this year, 
seven and a half. They went under, should have gone over. Yeah, they've got a very favorable schedule next year. Uh, outside of opening the season at Florida, which is, you know, it's Florida, so it's always going to be a tough place to play. Then they go on a string of just mediocrity. Florida mm. A&M, Ball State, at USF, Virginia Tech, at Cal, at Louisville. is So, I mean, you're talking about from August 31st until September 27th, they play basically no one. And then they don't play anybody again until they get a two a three week stretch of Louisville, Florida State, Duke. So and then they close out the season with a bunch of trash. So three tough games, arguably four maybe next season. So I would say yeah, anything less than like nine and three next year is you're you're, you're getting feel in, like a disappointment, right? Yeah, you're you're starting to get into that territory of hey, like we're we got to see some fucking results or else yeah. like they need to be like, if they were to get the shit kicked out of them by Virginia tech next year, which I think could happen, then some shit could start going South in a hurry. Yeah. We'll talk about Virginia tech here in a few minutes, but yeah. um, they, they might be a team to watch uh, before we get to them. Let's go over the other picks that we both hit on next up wake forest for the first time in probably four years. I took the under on them and they came through. They were easy a, money. A st- step back offensively and stayed shitty on defense. So they finished four, <laughs> finished four and eight. It was pretty easy cover there on under six and a half. Yeah, that was uh, losing Sam Hartman did not help their cause. They they significantly yeah. worse on offense without him to run it. So they did well. You know, they lose the best receiver, At Perry. Um, yeah, they they just. They weren't very good. Um, no, another they're team. There's, yeah, another team that was not very good. Although I'd argue maybe, maybe uh, a little better than their record indicated. Virginia. We both took under three and a half. They finished three and nine, and on the surface, it looks pretty bleak. I would tell you, Tony Elliott still has those guys playing hard. They were in a bunch of games. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. They lost like seven one-score games. They lost. A lot. I don't. I don't have it like at my fingertip. They lost. A, they were in. They were in it with a bunch. Of, they beat North Carolina. Um, Hang on, I can tell you because it was. I know they had several close games this year. Let me pull it up here. Okay, so that let's see. That's one, two, three, four. Five, five of their game, five of their losses were one score or less. So, mm-hmm. yeah, at Louisville, at Miami, yeah, yeah. at NC Boston St- College, N- NC, NC State. State, yep, they lost in overtime uh, in Miami. And James then, uh, Madison, <laughs> yep, James Madison, the Dukes got them by one. Yeah, so, so. Uh, I mean, I I think there's. As much as you could have for a team that went three and nine, I think there are some reasons for optimism that they they could, you know, that they have something to build on. Uh, I don't think they're going to be good next year by any stretch. I'm not saying they're going to go win eight games or anything, but they are a team I definitely think could improve in the win column by a couple, well, and maybe I mean, maybe flirt with bowl eligibility depending on how their schedule yeah. shakes out. 
Well, yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, we, we laugh when we say James Madison, but like James Madison was a good fucking football team yeah. and they lost by one to this team. So I don't want to just completely sit here and poo poo these guys. I mean, they, they've got several games on their schedule that are winnable. You know, when you're talking about uh, SMU or Coastal Carolina, Maryland, Wake Forest, Richmond. I mean, they've got winnable ball games on there. Boston College, yeah. who just lost their head coach, Pitt, who was terrible this year. So they, if things keep trending upward, there's no reason to think that they couldn't flirt with, you know, the next level bowl eligibility, getting mm -hmm. back to where they used to be, at least somewhere in that mid-tier before the the tragedy and all the turmoil yeah when when bronco was there you know it felt like most years they were going to be average but in conference play particularly right they were going to give you a game yeah like you yeah. weren't going to have them on in the thick of the conference schedule and and feel like hey we're going to go in there and beat these guys by 17 like yeah um well i'm glad timmy's not here they, right now <laughs> yeah and they kind of they kind of were that team, right? They gave a lot of teams a good game, just didn't shake out for them. So we'll see about Virginia. But um, who else? Who else? Oh, we we missed. Uh, we were in agreement on three teams going over their win total that uh, that failed us. Oh man! One of them you just talked about, Pitt. <sighs> Pitt, what they a were. Fuck. God. I don't want. I actually don't want to talk about Pitt that much. They were just. They were bad. They were we a were disaster. Over six and a half. They went three and nine. And the less I think about that, the better. And I remember coming into the season thinking like that's an easy over based on their schedule. Like I was thinking yeah. seven wins is like the minimum they should win. And I'm pretty sure that when we talked about hey, you know, if if Florida State is a you know one of the clear favorites to make the title game who who's maybe a dark horse to to go in there and face off against them since there's no more divisions i'm pretty sure one of us said Pitt could be a team that sneaks up on people I hope and holy me. shit would they have had to have been sneaky this year to yeah to sniff yeah they were bad uh, offensively yeah. defensively it was putrid i watched a about a quarter and a half of, of one of Pitt's games and i was just like i can't watch this anymore this is terrible yeah I think I watched half of the backyard brawl and I was like, Oh boy, these guys are in trouble. <laughs> Not good. Yeah. Not great, Bob. Yeah. That, that, that was very evident early on that they were in trouble big time. So yeah. Kind um, of a collapse for them. We'll see what Narduzzi's got in store for us next year. Yeah. Another one that was clearly in trouble early. Your boy Dabo. Oh man. That I still. Because at, at, when you look up and you're like, boy, they're two and two, and uh, I'm on over nine and a half, uh, and they still got to, you know, go yeah. play. They still got to go play Notre Dame. They still got to go play NC State. They got to go play. Oh. See, so I will say after after the Tyler from Spartanburg thing, they really got it going. They played well the second half of the season. Um, indeed. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was sort of a similar thing that we saw two years ago. I mean, they, they kind of sort of stumbled out of the gate and mm -hmm. then ran off a string of like eight straight wins. You know, yeah. some of them were ugly, but they were still winning. And it was like, what if Clemson could just put together a whole season now, the, the Garrett Riley thing clearly has not. I, I don't know if Dabo's micromanaging the offense or what what's going on there. You would think with Garrett Riley, it would be a lot more wide open, 
I don't. Well, think I did. I thought so coming in. I think a big part of it is like we talked about during the season. I, they need to get better at receiver. See, but you would think that. Okay, for instance, like TCU outside of Quentin Johnson, who was you know obviously a freak of nature, mm-hmm. uber talented guy. Outside of him, they don't have anybody that just scares you to death. Okay, I mean, but, but Clemson didn't have Quentin Johnston either. Facts. So you you would think that, like, look at Tennessee. Okay, nobody at receiver scared anyone to death at Tennessee until Josh Heupel took over. Yes. And he started scheming guys open, mm-hmm. and they started doing big things. And so I don't understand why that's not translating for Garrett Riley because his scheme schemes guys open, similar to the Baylor stuff. It's the Bryle system. They, oh, yeah, they scheme, a lot of, yeah. I mean, a, a ton of teams are running it now, and they scheme dudes open, and so they should have open receivers. So Klubnik is very talented. I don't know what the disconnect is, why that offense doesn't look like a Bryle's offense when I see it. I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm going, this is – Nothing like the fast-paced, wide-open shit that we see from a a Riley or a Bryles type system. This doesn't look anything like that. Like, what am I looking at? So I I don't know if there's some micromanagement going on, but I think that could be maybe some of the problem. I'm not sure. I mean, whatever it was, it was a problem because they... They still just look like they they don't have an identity to me. That's all I'm saying. Kind of. Um they they struggled with turnovers in the first half of the year, and that cost them in a couple of games, obviously, like the Duke one we talked about. Um, the Florida yeah. State game tipped on a uh, a fumble, right? Strip sack yeah. that got returned for a touchdown. They, they played pretty well much of the year. Didn't quite get to nine and a half. Actually, didn't really. They, they went eight and four, so they're two full games off, but we'll see. We'll see what they do. Uh, maybe in year two, they get get a receiver or two in, um, and, and they make a little step forward offensively. We'll see. Yeah, I mean Shipley's gone off to the NFL, but uh, I, I don't know. I believe Maffa is still there. And is Shipley gone? I don't know that I've. I, I thought I saw I he declared. I I thought I saw he declared for the draft, but even still, um, Maffa, in my opinion, was the better running back of the two this year. When I mean Moffa, he, I know he had thirty six carries in one of those games, ran for almost two hundred. So I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think he was the better option of the two personally. So, I the defense played exceptional for most yeah. of the season. You know, I don't think it's really taken that much of a step back since Venables left, and so that not being no, the, the defense problem, is still the defense. But yeah, and so to me, I just I want to be like, hey Dabo, man, just just let this dude. Like take the handcuffs off and just let him call the plays and let him do the offense and see what happens. I I don't know. I just I feel like they have the athletes based on their recruiting, even out wide. It's not like these are two and three star receivers. Okay, they're recruiting minimum four star guys. Okay, so they obviously have talent out wide. They just need to find somebody who can fucking scheme up some offense and get them the ball. I don't know. I just, it's, they're a fickle team to me that I don't want to drag Mm. on about Clemson. It's just, I don't get it. I don't understand. Another fickle team that I didn't understand was North Carolina. 
I didn't think they'd be great. I didn't think they'd be a national title contender. I did, and you did, think they would win more than eight and a half games, and they did not. They finished eight and four. They still suck on defense. Yeah, I mean, that's the bottom line. Is I, I thought that Drake May would continue to light up the scoreboard to the tune of 40 to 45 points a game, and ultimately... The defense was so bad and the offense still, and the offense took a bit of a step back. And when that happens, it's just not going to translate to wins. So we fell a little bit short there in that, in that department. So it is what it is, you know, Drake Mays off to the NFL and we'll see what their offense looks like next year, but they did uh, get rid of Chiswick finally. So maybe, maybe the defense will take a step forward. Uh, I wouldn't bet on it taking much of a step forward in the year one, under no. a new regime, but maybe, maybe uh, 2025, you know, the defense will improve a I, little bit. I think that's a much more realistic target. Um, yeah. Had a little dissent on the Louisville Cardinals. Mm. This is another team just like Wake for the first time in probably three or four years. I, I faded them. I was on the under eight and a half. They go 10 and two, even though I knew that they had sort of a light schedule regular season outside of the Notre Dame game, just in conference play, conference play. Um, they missed all the big boys. And I still didn't think they would win nine games and they did. So congrats to them. Mm. Was I on the under as well? You were on the over. Okay. So I did take the over. Yeah. Cause that, that it was just the Jeff Brom factor for me. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I was thinking I took the over. I couldn't remember though, but that's the Jeff Brom factor, the homecoming, you know, and with today's transfer portal and their favorable schedule that they had this year, I didn't expect them to beat Notre Dame. So don't, you know, don't, don't take that. I had that penciled in as an L, but with, I mean, they didn't really play anybody else if I recall. So they, no, <laughs> with a light, really. ass, with a light ass schedule and today's transfer portal and Brom coming in, I, I thought it was a pretty seamless transition to, hit it over there. So lucky for me. One of their two losses was to Pitt. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it was, I think it was right after they beat Notre Dame. Like make that make sense. Yeah. To be fair, I probably going into the year had that penciled in as a loss for Louisville because I thought Pitt was going to, yeah, you might have. Yeah, I probably did. Um, So that, you know, it actually happened the way I thought it would, but not for the reasons that I thought. Yeah. Um, and then these last three, before we get to Notre Dame, um, are all picks that I got correct and you did not. Oh, lovely. Thank you for saving the best for last. Oh, no, I take that back. Three of the remaining four. So we'll get the one that we were both correct on out of the way. Florida state over nine and a half. I felt like that was easy money coming in and it was not very easy money as it turned out. Uh, Yeah. No need to. Yeah, no need to discuss that. They Yeah, we've talked about them plenty. Um yeah. NC State, I took over six and a half. Yeah. I thought, hey, you know, NC State, they're always tough defensively and good enough in conference play. I think they can get to a seventh win. They were a little better than I thought. Um I was kind of questioning having uh, bringing in Brendan Armstrong at quarterback. I wasn't sure how that would work out. He was pretty wishy washy. I don't know if he got hurt or benched, but um, they had the freshman Morris come in. He, played, got, uh, he got benched. Yeah, played played four games. 
They won, I believe, three of them. One of them was the Clemson game they won. So this kid comes in, kind of turns their season around, gets them going. Yeah. And then he says, yeah, I'm not playing the rest of the year. I want to keep my red shirt. <laughs> um, yeah. Not surprisingly, he later transferred, I think. Yes, he did. But NC, NC State ends up nine and three. Um, pretty good year for them. I haven't yeah. looked too hard at what they, you know, who's leaving and what they have coming back, but. Yeah, I I did not uh, have much faith in Brennan Armstrong. And as bad as he was playing, I felt really, really good about my under coming Mm -hmm. into that. And then, as you said, Morris comes in and wins three out of four. And I was like, well, shit. (laughs) I would have to go back. I would have to go back and listen. I wouldn't be surprised if I used the word reluctant uh, in making that pick. Cause I don't think I had any real great confidence that they were going to go win seven or eight games, but I did take the over that did hit one. I, another one I, that I did not feel great about, but I took it just for reasons. Um, Virginia tech, <laughs> I took over five and a half. You thought they would just fall just short uh, with the under and they go six and six, get back to a bowl game. Uh, they had missed, I think Two or three years. Two years, yeah. Two, yeah. So, uh, I didn't see drones coming at QB when he took over. I was no. like, I'm in, I'm in trouble. <laughs> like, I remember the preview, uh, like getting ready for the preview. I wasn't even sure he was going to be the starter. Like, I right. thought he maybe had the edge because of, of what he brought in the run game. Sure, but I didn't know that. Like, they hadn't named a starter at that point. Right. So. Yeah, um, and even if he was, I didn't have like some ton of faith that the offense was going to be much more dynamic than it was a year prior or whatever. But right. I, I watched him play, and I was like, "Whoa, okay, like this dude can go. <laughs> like yeah. he, he's he's an athlete; he can move." So that you know, that, he's a bit of a difference maker, and uh, I, I think uh, Virginia Tech fans should have something to be excited about. I think they should. I think they are a very interesting team going into twenty twenty four. Yeah. A lot can change roster wise between now and then, as we've learned. But you know, it, would I be stunned if our time traveling friend came up and said, "Hey, Virginia Tech played in the conference championship game"? I don't know that how shocked I would be, right? Because the rest of the conference is not great, and if you could see them taking a step forward and getting to nine and three, maybe they sneak in there, depending on you know what else happens. Um, it just it wouldn't be that outlandish. They they look like a capable football team again, which is awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I would, I would be pretty surprised if they took a, a step that far forward, but if they went out and went eight and four next year, I would say great fucking job, man. Like you, mm-hmm. you're, you're almost there, you know? So we'll see what uh year three of the, the Brent Pry era looks like, because before this season started, Timmy was ready to eject the entire staff to the moon. <laughs> so I think after the season started, Timmy was, was it after? Oh, damn, man. I need to go back. Maybe. Yeah. It might've been after, I don't know. When, it been when after was a bad loss. Uh, it might've been before it, it would have been the hundredth episode. Right. So I think that would have come before the season. Probably. Yeah, probably so. So there you go. Uh, I don't know. And then we will finish up um, with another team who has a head coach named Brent who led them to an improved year and a bowl game and another team that I took the over on and was correct. You took the under on and missed that is Georgia tech. Yeah. The only time Georgia tech's ever done you any favors to be clear. 
Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> they missed every other Georgia Tech bet you've ever made, except that one. Yep. I'll take what uh, I can get uh, with these guys. Jesus. Um, six yeah. and six. Ryan, they go over four and a half, six and six. And they are another team that looks like they. Uh, Georgia Tech line of scrimmage in 2023 versus 2021 are not, they don't, they barely look like the same sport. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, they're not doing power cleans anymore on the sidelines. Right. Yeah, maybe games. that helps. Um, <laughs> they look like they're doing a lot of power cleans like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah. they, they're, they, well, I, I think uh, they're, they're one of the few teams in that uh, academic space that mm-hmm. seems to have actually been helped by the transfer portal, you know, because most of these teams, like two years ago, they got murdered by it when they lost Jameer Gibbs. And yep. he goes and, to Bama Yeah, they lost him. They lost their two best defensive players. They lost right. their old linemen. Yeah. And then this past season, it kind of bounces back and goes in their favor. They get Haynes King in the portal. Yep. He plays exceptionally well. He know. was good. I had no idea. Like the season was almost over. And I don't know. Maybe I st- I don't know if I took a screenshot or not, or maybe I just put it in the group chat. But there was this like, you know, here's the list of of starting FBS quarterbacks with like the cherry picked criteria, right? This many passing yards, this many rushing yards, passing touchdown, passer rating, rushing touchdowns, whatever. This like set of statistics, and it was Jaden Daniels and Haynes King. End of list. And I was like, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> yeah. He, he like, was and I, I, I get that you can like arbitrarily find cutoff points for all these different ones and, and sort of sometimes to an extent, make a list look like you want it to look, but yeah, coming in the grand, with in the grand scheme, scheme of things of, though, it's, it's George, it's Georgia tech. They, God, they were so fucking terrible a year and a half ago. And for them mm-hmm. to be back at bowl eligibility, it, it's impressive. And the portal worked well for them. You know, they got uh, Christian Leary from Alabama who caught the yeah. touchdown to win the game against Miami, that kind of stuff. You know, it's <laughs> they, yeah. They, and they would have, they would have hit the over even if without that gift. Yeah, um, indeed. So, so good year for them. Um, mm-hmm. Curious to see, you know, if they can keep it going. And then we'll finish up with the ACC house guests. Um, friendly neighbors, if you will, the Notre Dame fighting Irish came into the season with a win total of eight and one half wins. We both, I think pretty confidently took the over. Oh yeah. Uh, I I know I was pretty confident. I thought this was a team that could maybe get to 11. Yeah. I, I, I thought this was a team that I'm, I don't feel bad about saying this. I thought they were a team that if just a couple of small things bounced to the right way for them, that they could go no less than 11 and one. Like if, I mean, I was supremely confident that Notre Dame would win double digit games this year. And here we are. Well, they didn't. Yeah. But um, they did go over, right. They got to nine and three uh, lost to Louisville, which I didn't. Didn't see that coming. Coming. They lost (laughs) to Ohio state, which didn't shock me. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, Clemson. Um, and yeah. I thought that would be another one like, oh, uh, you know, if they right. can win one of Clemson and Ohio State, 11 one else. I yeah. mean, you're talking 
playoff team maybe that's um, that was kind of my thing i mean because there was questions about ohio state coming into the mm-hmm. season with the yeah, quarterback and, and and the the offensive tackle questions and we didn't have questions about notre dame's defensive line those dudes can go so yeah. uh, it they matched up really well like we talked about with driscoll before the season so i i was uh very confident in that and clemson same thing like it, it, consistency we don't know and then they lose to duke and i'm thinking shit man that we're like the week two, I'm thinking, man, we're in great shape on Notre Dame. Yep. Like there's a damn chance these guys could beat Ohio state and then go and smoke Clemson later in the season. And yeah. and they almost did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. right? Ohio state came down to the very last play. Uh, yeah. You know, Clemson game was bad offensively. I didn't think they were as good as I, I was left feeling a little underwhelmed. Uh, I guess I was really well, looking forward to them getting, bringing Sam Hartman in and what he could do to help kind of unlock that offense. And it really didn't it, it, happen. It didn't. They, they reminded me a lot this year of Penn State on offense to where uh, Hartman is obviously a, a talented quarterback, okay? And Estime was amazing in the backfield. But I just felt like our preseason prediction of Tobias Merriweather and some other guys out wide for them just – yeah, it just, yeah, just didn't shake out. It did not. So th- the difference between them and Ohio State and them and Clemson is like when I look at that Ohio State game, Ohio State had Marvin Harrison. Notre Dame didn't. I mean, that that that's ultimately kind of what I look at. It's they don't have anybody to throw to. And so Hartman was doing the best he can. You don't worry about the tight end position at Notre Dame. So No, that those- kid they got really good. <laughs> Yeah, he's a freak. So you you don't worry about that. But I just don't have anybody out wide, man. That's a big difference maker. And when you run up against a team like Ohio State or like Clemson, who has bulldogs on the corners, yeah, that and guys on the defensive line who can get after you, it's going to be a struggle. But uh, all in all, the only real disappointing game for Notre Dame for me was the the Louisville game. They they got their ass kicked. And mm-hmm. they were a better team than Louisville. Like, I don't think, I, I don't, I still, I look back and I don't understand that loss, but it is what it is. They still went yeah. over. So kudos to them. But yeah, sure. I mean, I, I don't, I guess I don't beat myself too bad over picking that game wrong. Um, but still, I was like, I, I felt like Notre Dame Louisville play 10 times. Notre Dame wins like seven of them. Yeah. Um, you know, kind unfortunately, a, they only play once and they won zero of them. But <laughs> it, it looks like they're trying to um, upgrade playmaking at the receiver position, right? Anyone yeah. who follows Driscoll, right? He keeps up on uh, who they're bringing in for visits, who they're getting to commit, who their uh, early enrollees are. I think they're, they've identified that as an area they want to improve, and they have improved. So we'll see how it plays out in the field. But year two, Marcus Freeman. Um, can't complain. I mean, no nine and nine and three. Uh, I don't even remember offhand now their bowl game how that went. Let me look. I don't either. I don't put any stock in bowl games anyway, so it doesn't matter. But, no, uh, they, I'm sure they had a bunch of a bunch of guys out, but yeah. um, I've got to where I literally don't even remotely include those in my analysis of a team. <laughs> no, I wouldn't include it in the analysis. But I'm just curious to see if they got that tenth win. Uh, yeah. They did. They finished ten and three, 
who did they oh yeah oregon's have the ghost of oregon state um ah yeah there you go yeah who had no head coach and no quarterback and yeah, yeah. actually their backup quarterback was gone too so it's yeah i think they were they, on the third string third stringer out there against Notre Dame. Yeah. So that that's kind of what yeah, I'm saying. It's defense, like, yeah, best of luck. Um, yeah. It's, it's a gifted win. So I don't even really count that, but no, but they will, uh, they'll, they'll take their double digit win season and oh, roll yeah. on into next year. hundred so. <laughs> percent. All right. So, so that is, uh, that is the ACC. And again, uh, nine and six for me, seven and eight for you. And then <laughs> only one conference left. Spoiler alert. You won that one handily over me. Oh, what was the overall record in that one? Because we're talking about the SEC next week for all the listeners that are wondering what we're talking about. We're going to close out our recaps of the SEC next week. So what was our overall record there? Because I got murdered in the SEC last year. I got murdered harder in the SEC last year. And <laughs> you you won by a, a, the numbers are nine and five. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. We just had different orders on. Well, all right. Fantastic. So, well, that's a massive improvement for me. Uh, it's actually an improvement for me too, um, <laughs> which sounds good. weird to say. Let me look. I yeah, got that's it here. Not good. Uh, yeah. I got killed in the SEC last year. Uh, last year in the, last year in the East, I was four and three. I guess. I not think I went like six. Terrible. And, I think I went like five or six wins last year and lost the rest. It was bad. Um, in the West, I was zero and seven. Oh, so it was actually <clears throat> five and nine was an improvement for me. Um, you went four and three and two and five. Yeah, so you went six and eight last year. Yeah, so. Pretty big so we jump both for improved. Me. Um, I Indeed. just didn't improve nearly enough, and we'll talk about all the areas I did not improve in uh, <laughs> next week. Get ready for the Super Bowl. Allie will be back. So next week we've got uh, yep. any breaking news. Maybe Boston College will have a head coach by then. Um, Indeed. We'll talk about SEC. Get her take on some of these teams because I know she watched these teams a lot more than she watched right, like Virginia Tech or whoever. Um, oh yeah, and she's yeah she's covered up at work this week for the listeners wondering. So she's uh, she'll be back with us next week. Um, we'll be discussing these SEC win totals, and we'll get a. I'm sure she'll be happy to boast about how great Ole Miss is. Can't wait to hear that. So yep. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, Allie, if you're listening, I took the under on them. So uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever you need to load up to rub my face and I guess, go ahead. Um, yes. and then lead up to the Super Bowl, we'll be doing uh, a, a game day eats segment. We gotta, yes. gotta cover that every February. Oh yeah. And, uh, since we've, since we have a woman on the show now, you know, there's another, another level to game day eats that possibly, that has been discussed and that could to be include baked sweets, which I'm like, mm. Whoa, wait a minute. Now you whoa. have my attention. <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. Now you, she's uh, apparently a big baker loves bacon stuff. So I'm like, Oh shit. Now I'm, now I'm getting excited to hear about the, the game day eats that might be. God, I tell you, I tell you what, if she says way. she's going to bake pretzels with a mustard sauce, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to put my, I'm going to take my headphones off. Just walk out this door. (laughs) Surely not, but maybe she might be serving some bourbon with cupcakes. You never know. Possibly. Or uh, what was it? Was it roast duck? Yeah. 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 A barbecue duck legs and a, 
Yeah. God, I can't remember. Doc, and then I was like, what are we doing here? Um, <laughs> I think he was Canadian. Yeah, so that'll be next week. SEC and uh, game day eats. Yep. And, and we'll preview. else that happens between now and then. Yep. And for uh, anybody that just pops in, we will, uh, who also watches the NFL, we will do a little bit of a Super Bowl preview. We'll talk about the Super Bowl a little bit and, uh, you know, just shoot the shit on it a little bit, make a couple of bets on it maybe, and uh, we'll see what happens there. But. Uh, in the meantime, you guys can find us on all the interwebs at South End Zone Pod. That's uh, here on YouTube and Twitter or X for all the kids who don't remember what Twitter is. And uh, TikTok, Instagram, all that good stuff. You can find us at South End Zone Pod. You can follow me at Jason Bailey 47 You can follow Eric at Eric Mulhair. And you can follow our other co-host, Allie, at AlliePissarek19. And uh, we will be back with you guys next week. So until then, catch you guys later on. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.